listening to Inside Healthy Teams by Apricot Consulting, a series that draws on the experience of experts to unearth the principles of personal and team leadership. For more information, go to apricotconsulting.us. Welcome to Inside Healthy Teams from Apricot Consulting, revealing conversations with execs designed to provide leaders with practical insights to build healthy organizations. On the podcast today, we're joined by James Natsis, our CEO of Apricot Consulting. Welcome, James. Great to be with you on today's podcast, Avril. Fantastic. So today, I believe we're going to be uh, talking about the topic of resilience. Resilience is a huge topic globally right now, and there are many expressions of the topic of resilience, and uh, looking forward to chat to you about it today. Great. To start off, tell us tell us more about um, the last year and your experience of the challenges that clients face with resilience. Well, it's interesting. I came out of a couple of meetings just yesterday with a few global companies that we work with, and there's certainly uh, a mix of anxiety versus strength and optimism. And it feels like that that's been in the blender for many people this year and many organizations have benefited from the change uh, in that if you're a salesperson, you're not traveling as often as you once were. Some teams have come together when they've been disparate in the past. Yet equally, there are many, many others. In fact, probably a good percentage of the workforce that have been significantly impacted by it. Uh, the, the notion that uh, lack of clarity or lack of timeliness of when this thing's going to end actually breeds anxiety. They often say that control or lack of control is the the lever for anxiety. But certainly there's been an inconsistency at the very least in terms of how people have experienced this season that they've been in. And how has that impacted, uh, I suppose, the organisation or, or the work side of things? Uh, it's had completely transformational impacts to the way that uh, work has been executed this year. More and more companies have become agile and agile in the newer sense of the word where whether that be the stand-up type model, the need for more clarification on expectations, shorter, sharper meetings more often, those things have become almost the norm. some have used project management tools for workflow, communication. Generally, there's been more of it online, more of it in a meeting on a Zoom or a Teams or a Google Hangout type scenario. So that's certainly been uh, interesting. That the notion that we don't walk past the corridor to chat has also been influential uh, as well. And so there's that calibration, that connection across functionalities become more and more important. Again, another expression of the agile world. So there's some examples of the impact of that. Uh, Clearly, the change in business model for most organizations has been very, very clear. Adaptive supply chains, flexibility uh, is certainly one of the key words this year. Adaptability, of course, mentioned that. But certainly operating models also have been impacted how work gets done, where work gets done. So in and and around that, it's been a quite a challenging year with a lot of energy transacted as a result of it. 
Mm, a lot of changes, um, both internally and externally, um, for employees to, to respond to and to deal with, and all seemingly coming at once as well. Absolutely. And everyone, I guess from your perspective, being a professional in the change space, what have you seen in your work uh, in, from a change management or leading change that has worked well this year? So I guess um, from from a change perspective, if I stand back and reflect on, you know, what has worked well or not worked well, um, I think the, you know, it all comes back to um, that connection that you have with your people during a change and that empathy that you have for what people are going through both personally and professionally. Um, so I think what's definitely worked well is um, the acknowledgement from managers and organizations that yes, this is a tough change. We recognize there's a lot of changes underway, um, both internally and externally, and, and really walking with their people through that. Um, so understanding that people are going to react differently to these changes um, and some actually will struggle. So we've heard from some organizations that, you know, they, they've, they've made it okay if uh, people are struggling that they can finish up earlier. Um, they've recognized the social isolation that maybe has come with um, working remotely. So I think what's worked well is leaders and organizations have recognized impact all of these changes have had on their people. And, and really have been considerate of the impacts and walked through it with them to look at how do we how do we support you so they really recognize the impact that these changes can have uh, on the workforce mm. it's yeah it's certainly uh, been reflective of the work that we've been doing and just this notion of being able to stand with your people and not necessarily have all the answers but just being in there, you know, standing in their shoes, that sense of being truly empathetic as opposed to trying to think of this as a problem to be solved, but rather attention to be managed and sort of hanging in there. And probably reflecting on that as well, you know, different organisations have responded in different ways where we've had some examples of um, running team workshops where really they actually just wanted to build team engagement again and recognize um how morale has has probably um decreased somewhat with everyone working separately and remotely in the lack of social isolation so we've we've had a lot of uh workshops where we're actually working with teams on engagement and team building and trying to um improve that morale and then with other organizations they've actually identified the need to actually build chain skills in their leadership um so actually developing change training programs uh, so that they can support their leadership to respond to change better themselves, but also lead their own teams through change. Yeah, and I guess in that model, and I suppose we've found this with our work in resilience with uh, some health organisations and also some of our work within higher ed, is this balance between training at a group level and also the coaching at the individual level to be able to help contextualise that. In our work with... Uh, in, in the space of resilience, uh, we have a bit of a holistic model and where some organisations may focus on the wellness or the well-being or the mindfulness is probably the right word to use. We look at social, spiritual, uh, emotional and physical. So all those elements become critically important in terms of 
really understanding the whole person and that whole person's connected to others. That's the social, spiritual for us is very much about purpose and it's the get out of bed factor. It's the mojo enabler. And certainly I think we've found, and there's lots written about this, uh, certainly saw a post only recently from McKinsey about the power of purpose, uh, both an organizational team level. And this has probably been codified more than ever before, the need for it to be articulated during these very, very difficult times. Uh, and then, of course, the social element. You know, unfortunately, there's been from a change manager or change leadership background, as we both have, Avril, uh, that the whole word or whole s- a series of words, social distancing, was unfortunately the wrong use of terminology. <laughs> it should have been physical distancing. The last thing we need in a pandemic is social distancing. Physical distancing would have been more apt. Uh, because in times like this, we need to talk to people, we need to connect with people, we need to listen to people, we need to certainly walk with people in the metaphorical sense at the very least. What else have you found in, in the resilience space that's been effective uh, from what you've, what you've seen in some of the work that we've been doing, but what all others have also been doing? Yeah, so I think what I've probably saw in the marketplace and reflected on is Um, A lot of the responses to resilience have been the wellness type programs or mindfulness type programs, which are definitely important and effective. Um, But I think I haven't seen a holistic solution to developing resilience skills um, in the long term, which, like you said, uh, with our model touches on the four areas, including physical um, health, uh, emotional health, social and the areas of uh, spiritual with purpose and values. So I think I've seen a lot of uh, responses to resilience where they are the wellness type programs or the mindfulness um, type training. But I think we're missing the opportunity to actually build out um, the emotional area, which focuses on emotional intelligence. And like you said, James, the element of um, what you have control over, what you don't have control over and what you can actually influence. And also touching on purpose, values and what essentially has been really impacted is the the social element um, of resilience through this time. So I think our model has worked well because it touches on all four areas and developing the four areas or even identifying for particular organizations and their employees which area are they struggling most with? Mm, yeah, certainly understanding that and and baselining that data becomes really, really important. And I think in our sense of what's been playing out right now is what I'd probably call a post-traumatic stress scenario unfolding. We've probably heard COVID being described um, and need to be sensitive given that many other countries around the world right now are still going through very significant numbers of COVID. But in other geographies such as Southeast Asia and Australia and so forth, we've got a reasonably good control of the virus itself. Yet what many are suggesting at the moment is that the third wave is unfolding, the third wave at at the moment being a mental health one. So the need for resilience, the need for support around mental health. uh, In fact, one of the the bits of work that we're doing at the moment is partnering with uh, uh, an organisation that 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 looks at solutions and diagnostics in the area of mental health, given it's such a really, really critical topic right now. But we see this playing out 
in a very significant way if it hasn't already, which we know that through data it has been playing out in very difficult and challenging ways, the, the rise and rise of mental health issues, uh, that there'll be even greater need for work in the space of resilience, uh, managers and executives, not only themselves, experiencing uh, intervention and support in that space, but clearly also being a people manager. And it's very hard to be strategic in periods like today, uh, but there's great opportunity to be a people manager and get alongside. But as we know, equipping leaders in managing change, leading change, and self-change or self-leadership are going to become even more important in the next 12 to 18 months. And I think I would definitely agree with that, James. Um, often uh, we don't realise that we need our resilience skills until we're actually under pressure um, and experiencing that stress. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, an example is this year where we had the myriad of changes and underway. Um, so I, I guess what, what we often hear from clients is, um, you know, we don't, we don't need to build our resilience skills yet, but unfortunately you need to get ahead of building those resilient skills so that people are resilient when the time comes. So like you're saying, um, I think right now we're seeing the impact of uh, where people are burnt out and unfortunately experiencing the, the negative impacts of um, not having built the resilience of your, of your workforce or your team. Um, but also maybe uh, there needs to be consideration there for if, if you haven't done it already, focusing on resilience. Because no doubt next year there'll be more changes and, and stressful issues to come, whether that's personal or professional. So it's definitely worth investing in those resilience skills ahead of time. Absolutely. This is one example of one of those things you don't do after the fact because after the fact the intervention is more significant. And it's more significant because in that instance, you're not just helping out your teams, you're actually helping out the leaders. So you're absolutely right in saying now is the right time to be investing in, in an integrated resilience program and certainly going beyond the, 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 the paper measures or the, the Band-Aid measures. It's really a good opportunity to actually dig deeper as well as leveraging the ability to say, well, you know what, we're going through a significant transformation right now. A lot of that transformation is good. We've seen that with a lot of our clients that they've seen this is a bit more than a spring cleanup. It's a great chance to codify new processes, to make redundant old uh, processes and so forth that don't work, to realign people into better roles, etc. cetera. Uh, but certainly there's a very, very good opportunity for us to, to land a couple of planes, help our leaders in leading change, managing change, being more equipped themselves to deal with the change, which is related to the resilience piece. And then of course, providing them skills, insights, capabilities, and a structure and a mechanism to support their teams through this season. Most definitely. What are your thoughts on the future for resilience, James? It's a really good question because resilience as a macro theme has been running for quite some time now. We've seen the rise of the impact on climate and these really challenging weather-induced events through winds, heat, rain, cyclonic behaviour, etc. We can go on. Uh, and so resilience has been well spoken of in the environmental space, but certainly at a human factor level, 
uh, at a cognitive level, at a social, emotional, for spiritual, etc. Those things must be considered and planned for, because the impact on those things holistically is actually where a lot of the challenge will be moving forward. And so taking a very integrated view of this will be important. Everything from onboarding to education or even what we call shovel-ready, all those elements need to be considered and factored in. Uh, it's been well-spoken, I think, even at a school level. Driving and, and, and building resilience is critical. The skills, what's, what, what then becomes the competencies for resilience? I think there's new opportunities in that space. What are the competencies to be resilient? I think there's lots and lots of opportunity in that. Um, if you're a HR professional, if you're a well-being expert, to think through those uh, and to provide solutions ahead of time. As you said before, Avril, it's no longer enough for us to do put an intervention in after the fact. Uh, but getting ahead of it is going to be more and more important. So I think where the future will be, resilience enablement will be built in at every stage of the employee life cycle, but also pre that there's opportunities for us to think about those that have become part of a, uh, a talent pool. What can we do to prepare them and support them in that? And, and of course, all the way through from the hire all the way through to the retire stage. And James, for our listeners um, who may be leading teams and, and have people in their team who unfortunately are at that stage now where they're really struggling um, with, with everything that's um, taking place this year, what advice would you give to them? Well, I think one of the answers that is often given is just to use the EAP within your organisation. I think that's a starting point. And having access to an EAP program and most Larger organisations already have that. And I think I would encourage you to look at that as a starting point in an organisational context. From a leader perspective, I think the challenge that we have is that uh, these are not necessarily problems that can be solved by a statement, by a conversation, by an email, by pay rise, by change in role, etc. Th- that's the second part of it. And so to, so the, the, the opportunity then is, is this and we've seen some of our clients do this really, really well. Uh, in fact, I was with a client yesterday who actually said that they start they started running these startups, these um, stand-ups, and the stand-ups were essentially about how people are going. And it, it started with people sharing about their challenge, their frustration, their anxiety, their concern, to the point where people were comfortable enough to share, and then, then it became more about the work. So f- foundationally, if you're a leader and you're a manager, this is your season to be a people manager. And that is to provide more opportunity for people to share how they're doing and be comfortable in the fact that you're not going to have to provide an answer to that, but rather a context for that, for them to share and to share openly. And if they don't want to share, they don't have to, but certainly at the very least providing a context for that sharing to occur uh, and not to band-aid it with platitudes but simply to be uh to there as what woody allen once said 80 percent of life is just turning up and not to dilute and that that statement or who said that statement but rather there's some truth in this notion of just being available to listen as opposed to being able to provide an answer for And, and i think that's a really good opportunity for us as leaders to allow people to speak, provide them the context to do so and see that as a key 
core requirement of your role in the next period of time. Not just the workflow management, not just the strategy and execution. And speaking as an executive, the temptation is to play there all the time because we're looking at sustainability. We're looking at growing as organizations in this period. Yet we know that foundationally, if our people are not well, if our people are struggling, the work will also struggle. Mm. So have permission to spend more time in, in, in supporting your people, listening to your people and encouraging your people in this season. Sounds like a fantastic initiative, really bring, getting people together and creating that forum where they have an open and safe place to share their feelings and actually, like you said, just, just talk about um, their frustration or the difficulties or challenges that they are experiencing. And as you know, James, one of the elements of our resilience model is social. Um, so that focuses on um, focuses on relationships that you have socially um, and conflict and things like that. So do you have any advice for our listeners in terms of, you know, we still have teams working remotely. So that social connection is still somewhat difficult. Have you any advice for our listeners on that? That's an incredibly challenging scenario because no matter what we do, we can have virtual coffees, virtual drinks, uh, and although those things are noble initiatives in the context that we have, they don't necessarily provide the the antidote to that because there's no substitute for being in person. Now, we're humans, we're wired for connection, and we're wired for connection that's physical in the room. So in a sense, th- whatever we have to offer is never going to be the full substitute, uh, in which case then trying different modalities is is one of the solutions, looking for creative ways. Uh, again, depending on the geography that you're in right now or the market that you're in or the wor- part of the world that you're in, there's certain freedoms that you do have and certain freedoms that you don't have. I would be looking to leverage those as a starting point. So if you're able to walk if you're able to pair up for a walk, I would be suggesting to look for that as an opportunity. If you're able to be in person and you're able to get to a cafe, get to a cafe. If all you have is a virtual uh, engagement, just switch the screen on. I think most would say that that's a good starting point as much as we don't want to see ourselves on, on screen. Be vulnerable with each other. And if you're an executive on this pod, listening to this podcast right now, it's okay to let the cat run across your lap or have a kid coming in and screaming. There's some human humanity to that that will actually draw a bridge with the person that you're engaging. So being a bit more vulnerable on screen is a really good place to start in that. But certainly I'd be looking to leverage whatever mechanism that you have in place around a restriction that you may have in your area and looking to find whatever you can do legally to provide your team with enough uh, of a of a physical distancing arrangement that would enable you to be as close to that person as possible in the way that's legislated in your area. So if it's a coffee, if it's a meal, if it's a walk, I would be suggesting now is the right time to be looking at exploring those avenues. Fantastic. And. Um- before I close off, James, any further comments or insights that you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, most of us have a version of pandemic fatigue. And that pandemic fatigue has, in many ways, 
create a large cloud over our lives and, and more than we have in a very, very long time. And some perhaps underestimate the impact of that. Whilst we may not be physically exhausted for most of us that have the luxury from working from home, not everyone has that luxury, that fatigue has set in and will continue to stay with us. And if you're in uh, other parts of the world, the Northern Hemisphere, you will be going through winter uh, at the time of this recording. Uh, those of us that are lucky enough to be in the Southern Hemisphere will be in summer parts. And so getting out uh, and, in, and getting some vitamin D in the sun is going to be really, really critical. I think more than ever, Avril, the, the the holistic component to what makes our resilience program is, is more critical than ever. I can't necessarily tell you one more than the other. But I will say one thing. Understanding your personal why is very, very important in this season. The sense of purpose. And if you're a leader of a team, really rallying around the why. What is it that your team does that makes a difference in the world? goes a long way to helping people to work through that fatigue. The other thing I'd suggest is making sure that we're building mechanisms for exercise. If you have a vacation or a holiday period, that you really use that time, again, based on the legislated uh, mandate in your area. If you're allowed to go outside, take advantage of being outside, get outside, enjoy the sunlight, go for a walk, put an umbrella on rug up if you need to, ensure that you're getting out there. And the other one is mentioned about the social element. This is not a season to go in your corner. Find someone that you can trust to share with. If it's not a work colleague, if it's not a family member, if it's a friend, find someone you can be vulnerable with. And I'm particularly speaking in as senior managers and executives who often have perceived that they have to be the strong ones. They have to be the ones that are carrying it. They have to be the ones that are driving and pushing you are probably one of the most fatigued in all this because you've been pushing and driving and pivoting and navigating. So looking at ways to to ensure that you're taking care of your health and well-being, put the oxygen mask on before you help others do the same. Going to be my final advice. Great wisdom there, James. Thank you for your insight today, James. And thank you to our listeners for joining us on Healthy Teams. Apricot can help you build a healthy organization for the future. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Inside Healthy Teams by Apricot Consulting. We hope you found it helpful. And if you did, it would help us if you could rate and review this episode on your podcast platform and subscribe for more episodes. For more information, go to apricotconsulting.us.